Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Does a woman have to wear a head covering when she prays or prophesies in the church? Can a woman cut her hair short? Um, as you read these things here, it, it, it will be important to understand their culture because we'll take, and this is what happens in the church, we'll take a section of scripture like this, make doctrines to follow and miss the whole point. Right. The point is in verse three. And don't forget, it. the point is us submitting to Christ and his order and instruction for men, women in the church. These peripheral things, we can magnify them and miss the whole point. Is it a sin for a man to wear a hat in church or for a woman not to wear a head covering? If you look only at the surface, you could point to some verses of scripture and make those arguments. But as Pastor Bill will point out in today's message, we need to exercise discernment in the Holy Spirit to determine what was a cultural matter and an issue of respect versus what was a matter of sin and dishonoring God. Ultimately, it comes down to a heart posture of submission to Christ and love for each other. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. In Genesis 2.18, it said, the Lord God said, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So the thought of woman, what was woman getting ready to come be? Helper, helpmate. Guys, I'm going to make him a helper. That brother needs some help. He out here with all them animals in name and all this garden to tend and he's all by himself. Everybody else got a he and a she and they can make some babies and whatnot. Adam by himself. It's not good. It's the only thing God made and said it was not good, man alone. I'll make him a helper, comparable to him. And God put him to sleep and took his rib and fashioned woman, and he made woman completely different from the man. Woman is soft. Woman have some different body parts. Uh, woman can conceive and give birth. Um, women are emotionally, physically made different than a man, and that's by God's divine design, right? God didn't make a man with long hair and breasts. God made a woman. A counterpart. And I just want that to be clear because we live in a society right now where there are women that are like, anything he can do, I can do better. You know, I don't need no man. And, and I'm just trying to tell y'all that's not, that's not God. That's not God. You might not need a man, but I'm just saying the way in which it's put forth in our society where women become like a man. Um, I, I'll, I'll step out, I'll leave for myself, I'll do for myself, I'll be in front, I'll be in charge, blah, 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 because men dog me, because you pick dog for men, um, so forth and so on. Those are the things that happen out there in the world, so we in here in the church just got to clean that up. We can't look like them, right? There should be men in here that look a lot different, and there should be women that understand, I'm not even, I'm not even, that, that ain't even options out there. I'm not, I'm not having them kind of issues with dogs and whatnot. I'm not at the club finding mine. Um, I'm looking for the Lord to do it. But a woman, God said, look, I, I made you. To, you're going to come alongside and be a helpmate. And Eve came alongside and she was there to be a helpmate. God performed the first marriage there in the garden of eating. A woman's role was to come alongside. Her role was not to lead him. Now, when sin entered in, right, who does Satan go to? He went to the woman. Now, I don't say this to dig at you women, right? But y'all are made different. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm married, right? I'm married. I got four kids. Um... If I could tell you, I, if, if my, my youngest son, he can, there's some, if he, there's some things he say to me and I'm like, man, no, I already know where you're going with that. I'm looking right through him. I can see right through you. You're asking this and saying this, but you really want that. No, gone. But, but, but he comes to my wife, slick as he is, 
Start caressing her, rub her hair. Tell her, tell her how pretty she looked, how good dinner was, no matter how good it was, it wasn't the other. He do all them things. I didn't say it wasn't good. Oh, y'all don't just stop there. But he'd do all them things and he'd be done swooned her into a trip to ice cream and you know, a promise about what he can do tomorrow and all kind of stuff. And I'd be just looking like you. You, you, you can't see through all that little stuff he's doing. You, ter- ter- for me, it's terrible, you know. But I won't say she's manipulated. She, I, I always say you're getting swooned by this, this little guy, you know. God made women different. I was a son one day. Um, my mother and father, they weren't together, but it was very different. Like, my dad, he just knew what it was, what was happening. My mom, I, no fault of her. My mom loved me to death. My mom would have killed for me. But my mom just couldn't see through. You know, I'm out there running around trying to be a crip. And I come in where I got blue shoes, blue pants, blue belt, blue things. I kid you not, I came in one day with all my friends. and I'm sure my mom is going to say something. My mom said, you guys are all matching. You guys, it looks so neat. You guys are all color coordinated. I kid you not. That's what she said. At that era, you know, it was gangster to grow out your froze, so we were growing out froze, and my mom said, oh, you guys are growing out your naturals, because that's what they called them in her day. She says, it's like, it's like the 60s, I love that look, you know, and she had no idea. We out there thug-a-muffing and acting up, and she's like, you guys are all color-coordinated. She just, she couldn't see it. She, she couldn't see it, you know, and God had made her different. She was the nurturer, loving mother. You know, like I said, anybody touched us, my mother would kill them, you know, but she just wasn't made like my dad. My dad looked at that stuff and said, man, you're going to get killed out there. You need to, Don't come over here with that stuff on. Put your pants up. Put a belt on. Tie your shoes. That was, that was a father saying, you know, you're not going to be out here looking like that. Not in my house. And he lived on the other side anyway, so I would fix it. So, <laughs> so this is the thing. God has made them, us different. And rather than resist it and fight it, we should submit to that. Right? There are men that don't want to be the lead. There are men that they want a wife to be like their mama. They want someone that they want to come under and let her be in. That's not okay. You the head. You need to be following that. You need to be, you need to be praying and reading your Bible and making godly decisions for your family. At the same time, God says, women, I made you to come alongside, not to be out in front, you know, leading. That's in the home. It's also in the church. And again, there are people that struggle with these ideas. You know, I think that's chauvinistic. I think anything men can do, women should be able to do. And I noticed this, that it's never God saying that women can't do something. It's not that they can't do it. They can do all the things that we can do. They can do them. But is it, is it what he wants them to do? Is it, is it something that they're supposed to do? Um, can a woman lead the family and have the job and bring home the bacon and do all? Yes, she can. But did he create her to do that? Is that her, is that her, is that her, is that her God-given capacity, role, and place? Is, is she going to be at her best function in those things? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so... The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And then he gives us at the end, he said the head of Christ is God, speaking of God the Father. Now, how did that happen? Because we know there's equality in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're equal. They're all God. But God says, look, he he says uh, the head of Christ, that's God the Son, is God the Father. And if you write notes, you can write down Philippians 2, 5 through 8. The way that happened is God the Son submitted to the will of the Father. He submitted, not because he wasn't equal to, not because he wasn't just as much of God, but because he submitted to the will of God the Father. God the Father had a purpose, had, a, had, had things doing. The, the Son submitted to that purpose. In the same way, all of us, it's, it's really a call to submit 
um, I'm not looking and saying what I can or I can't do. God, I'm, I'm, God, I submit to your will. I submit to your role. If I'm called to be a lead in this way, God, I want to be a leader in this way. Now we move on to some of the things that were more more an issue of the culture of that day. So um, here are the things we're going to deal with. Guys, can a guy wear a hat when he prays? Does a woman have to wear a head covering when she prays or prophesies in the church? Can a woman cut her hair short? Um, as you read these things here, it, it, it will be important to understand their culture because we'll take, and this is what happens in the church, we'll take a section of scripture like this, make doctrines to follow and miss the whole point, right? The point is in verse three, and don't forget it. The point is us submitting to Christ and his order and instruction for men, women, and the church. These peripheral things, we can magnify them and miss the whole point. So verse verse four, every man praying or prophesying, having his head cover, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovers, dishonors her head for that one and the same as if her head were shaved. So first in verse four, every man that prays or prophesies, having his head covered, he dishonors his head. So we've all seen a guy at a church with his hat on, it's time to pray, pull his hat off real quick, say the prayer, put the hat back on. Um, now, if you go to Jewish custom, it's totally different. If you, I've been to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they believe, and they, to this day, they believe that because when Moses saw the afterglow of God, he was veiled, he was covered. That when they go and pray, they believe it's a sign of humility to cover themselves with a prayer shawl. They'll be at the wall rocking like this and praying. They wear the little yarmulke on their head right here. That's their culture. That's what they believe. It's interesting because you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and you find out that the reason Moses wore the veil was that he didn't want people to see that the shining was fading away. That, the, that, that his face shining from the afterglow, that it was actually fading. He wore that to cover up the fact that what was happening was fading. It wasn't an, a thing of humility or whatever else. So, but that's their culture, and that's what they do in their culture. There are things that were true for their culture that are not true for our culture today, and that becomes important to note. So I'll say right up front, I don't believe it. I believe it's irrelevant if a guy wears a hat or don't wear a hat. Is Christ your covering? Are you under Christ? The the significance for them at this time was they lived in a culture where these things meant something. We live in a culture today where there are different things that mean they're, they're, we have different things within our culture that matter. And so there are things that a woman could do today that would make her appear like a man beyond a haircut. And so that's more what we're going to get at in this today. There are things that a woman could wear that would make her appear as though she were loose or prostitute or, or not a woman that was walking in. A modesty or whatever. That's more what we would look at. Uh, in their culture, it was different. We've gone so, it's gotten so bad. In this culture, if you were a prostitute, you just had your hair uncovered. I would to God that that was it today. So their whole body might still be covered up. It was just the fact that their hair was uncovered or shaven that would let you know that this woman is, is part of that, that process. That process. Um, in our culture today, you walk down the street, a woman don't have none of that, that. That doesn't mean anything. It's a whole nother process. It's a whole nother there's a whole nother group of things that we're looking at today. So the cultures and times and all those things have changed quite a bit. So um, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Then again, verse five. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head for that is one of the same as if she, her head were shaved. So what he's saying is in the church, a woman prays or prophesies, which lets us know that women did pray and prophesy in the church. If she did. Um, and she did so without a head covering. It'd be, he said, she might as well shave her head. 
Um, it would be dishonoring. It would be dishonoring to her husband who was there. Now, uh, if, for, if, if you were to go, and I, I thought this was a great illustration. If you were to take, if I took my wife to the beach, and my wife had a bathing suit on because we were at the beach, that would be appropriate at the beach. And then she was like, oh, that, uh, my outfit's so cute, my bathing suit's so cute, I'm going to wear it to church tomorrow. <laughs> well, that would be dishonoring to me if she walked up in here and, and was, you know, bathing suit, you know. That would be, Amen. Right. All right. So that, that's that's the idea. That would be that would be dishonoring her head. I'm her husband. That would be disrespectful that you, you got on your bathing suit at the, you know, now cover all that up. You know, I don't know if you can wear it at the beach, you know, so you got to go to a private beach. You know, so anyway, um, that's the idea that's being conveyed here. You know, that would be dishonoring for her to appear as though she were loose and available when she's under the covering of a husband. That would be wrong. That would be wrong to do. Um, that's what's being conveyed. That's the heart. Verse six, for if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. I mean, her head shaved. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. And so once again, in, in, in their culture here, the the men were not to cover their head. It was the, the, the idea or the, what was being conveyed was the principle that there's nothing in between this man and God because man is under Christ. And so there's, there's not a covering. There's anything covering him or preventing him. He's directly connected to God. That's the imagery. Now, we could get hung up on the hat and I have men wearing hats to cover their head, but they're not walking in a, in a, in a, in a, in a under God sort of way. And we would be absolutely missing the point. And that's what ends up happening in church culture. Um, there are whole churches now where the women have to wear their head coverings. So they wear these big old flamboyant hats. So their heads are, you know, covered or whatever. And, and that's, they're, 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 in their mind, they're meeting this standard right here. I'm saying that that's not necessary. Um, none of these, we, we can miss the whole point. You could be here with a, a 10 foot hat on and you ain't walking in submission to nobody. You just got a bad hat. Look at my hat. You just came to see the pastor or the worship team for the hats in the front row. You know, that's the kind of stuff we take. We'll take things like this and create something doable and miss the whole point. Is anybody submitted to God in the midst of all that? Is Jesus Lord of all that? Are you submitted to your husband with your big old hat on? You know, man, with your hat on as you pray, are you submitted to God in other areas of your life? Or are we just took in the form and we're like, I do the form. I do the I do the external outward thing. I'm saying that the the external outward things are not the point. Those aren't the goal. Culture changes. Those things change. Um, I had it in my notes. But over in First Timothy, it talked about women being modest. And in that culture, if a woman wore her hair braided, that meant you were rich. And so it was a very immodest and show offy kind of thing. So the women were taught at that time in First Timothy two that they shouldn't come with their hair braided because it would be very flashy. Very flamboyant. Today, if a woman come with her hair braided, it's not really a big deal, right? Uh, it doesn't mean she's rich. It means she sat down for a long time, you know what I'm saying? But it, it's not really saying, like, it's not a flamboyant, you're not stumble. A girl don't walk in with her hair braided and everybody go like, oh my goodness, look at that. You know, it's just a regular part of our culture because culture has changed. So it'd be wrong to take that from Timothy, which was a cultural thing. And Mr. Principle, the principle was that women were to be modest. Right. That women shouldn't walk in here in some outfit that everybody be like, did you see that? You know, and that's the, that, that you wouldn't be drawing, you know, every eyeball on yourself that that there'd be some modesty about how you present yourself. Y'all follow me? So we can take the cultural piece and miss the whole point. That's what religious folk will do. 
They'll take these things. Nope, women shouldn't braid their hair. Nope, men better put that hat on. Where's your prayer shawl? And we'll have all the we'll have all the imagery and all the externals. And and God's looking in saying, I'm not the Lord of none of this. Nobody here submitted to me. That woman not submitted to her husband. That man's not submitted to me. We want to make sure we don't miss the main point, which is that we're to be people that are walking in submission to God, his order in all things. Amen. And so he says in verse eight. Now he says for man is not from woman, but woman from man. So man didn't come out of from or we didn't come from the woman, but woman came from the man. That takes us back to Genesis uh, two. Um, where obviously, you know, woman came from the man. God put him to sleep, took out his rib, fashioned the woman. In that sense, uh, woman uh, came from the man. Verse nine, nor was man created for woman, but woman for the man. So God says now, even in purpose, I didn't create man for the woman. So for all the women, why is that? And, and this is a, I don't know. It's, it's I just, I got to teach it so we understand it. Um, you take two people and bring them together in marriage. And we live in a culture right now where everybody's like, well, I got my dreams and passions. He have his dreams. Well, he need to support me and what I want to do. And I need to support him. Understand this, that when God brings a couple together in Christ, that man is to be connected to the Lord, following the Lord, being led by the Lord. And God will bring him a wife that will that will come alongside him in that vision for their lives. Now, what about her dreams and passions and aspirations? Maybe if they fit into what God has called the man to do, sometimes they do. Sometimes God will bring two people that he's uniquely gifted and called and brought them together and, and the thing just blossomed into something awesome. But there are times where you may have a woman that's like, well, I want to still do my thing and he need to come help me do my thing. I'm saying that's not that's not the order. That's not the order he created. God said, I didn't create. God didn't create man to come alongside a woman and, and, and be her be her helpmate. God said, I created a man. And so because we have women that are content. I have my own thing and he needs to help me do my thing. And if not, then I'm going to just leave him in the dust. Then you have men that never grow in their ability to lead because ain't nobody following. No, there's no woman saying, where are we going, husband? What's, what's, what's God doing? We're, we're, there's, the woman's off doing her own thing. And it, it actually hurts both things. Um, this woman is out of order doing her own thing. She's going to have extra pressure that beyond what God created her to bear. Um, she's out of alignment with God's divine purpose and plan for her life. Then you got a man that's Supposed to be leading and guiding and directing, and he's not because no one's following. There's no one there looking at him. No one's expecting it of him. And so he grows into a weak leader. She despises his leadership because he's a weak leader because she's a weak follower. And then you got a marriage that that's what it looks like. That's a lot of that that goes on, you guys. A lot of that. Uh, when I find a man many times, and I know some men are weak leaders because they're weak and they got, they're lazy and they got excuses. But I found men that are weak leaders because they spent years trying to lead a woman that wouldn't follow. And they just said, forget it. Exasperated. Now, I'm not saying it's okay to say forget it and be exasperated and quit, but I'm saying that the two aren't working together where I believe if everybody follows God's plan, I believe God's plan for me does not leave my wife out. He knew she was part of the package. He brought us together. God's not going to leave me in a way and then not consider her. God's not going to leave me and her in a way and not consider my kids. Everybody is considered. So when I follow God's plan for my life, I believe that everybody connected to me is a benefactor of that because God loves all of us more than I can. So there's no question that if God is saying, Bill, I want you to move in this direction, go here and do this. But I don't have to ask, well, what about my wife? What about my kids? And I got that. I, they, they were, I didn't lead you without thinking about them. That Do I trust the Lord though? I have to add, that, that's what it comes down to. Do I trust that God is, that he's leading and that he loves everybody involved? Then my wife has to trust God. You know, there have been times in our marriage where I've been led in a direction that didn't really, didn't really make sense to her, you know? 
Um, but she just had to roll with me. And I will say this, that as she rolls, always God confirms it afterwards. We always can look back and see that's what he was doing there. Oh, he, he, he showed up in this way there. That's it's been the track record. But I understand this, too, that I've had to lead out at times where my wife just didn't agree. Um, like basically, God was like, well, if you're following my lead, I don't have to wait for my wife to say, OK, I agree now. Now I just start going. Y'all catch up. We, but this is where we're going. We just that's leadership. You don't have to wait. Uh, it's nice if everybody would agree, if everybody would say, oh, OK, I, I follow. But sometimes leadership is I'm, we're this, I'm just going to follow Christ. Y'all got to catch up. You know, we're, we're going this way. And I, you might not agree today, but we'll, we'll have to wait. And I've I've had that happen and God come behind it and clear it up. And so, um, again, as I, as I look at this here and as I, as I look at the issues within our culture with, with regard to the imbalance in, in this, that men aren't walking in their roles, women aren't walking in submission to it, not honoring their husbands. What it all comes down to is that it's, it ends up being a lack of submission to Christ, who's the one that made the order. That's what it ends up coming down to. It's a lack of submission to him and his order. And part of our worship of the Lord, you guys, if we're worshiping God and we believe that he's all knowing, all powerful, that he is God, then I can look at his order, his guidance, his direction and say, God, everything from you is perfect and right. Rather, I like it or don't like it. Rather, it agrees with me or doesn't agree with me. Rather, it makes me have to change or, you know, I get to continue doing what I'm doing. God, you're, you're God. I submit to you. Um, the thing I submit to your order for your, your guidance, your direction. Um, and that, that's what it comes down to. I don't I don't I'm not. I'm not making my own calls, but I'm submitting to his leadership in my life. And I believe that's what the, the heart of what we're looking at in this section. The Corinthian church, we're going to find here they're out of order in terms of men and women in the church. Next week, he talks about communion, how they were drunk at the communion table. They weren't honoring God in that. Then he goes into spiritual gifts and how they had the gifts, but they weren't using them in a way that honored God. And there are all these areas where God's, you guys have pieces of what I've given, but it's just not being done in a way that honors me best. And so as we read through this, we want to make sure that our lives are in alignment, that we're honoring the Lord, that we're walking in submission and that we're not resisting, that we're not buying into this culture that we live in that is opposed to Christ, opposed to God, opposed to his order and instruction, that we're not buying into it and following in its example. Uh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm amazed at how our culture will put forth their opinions and people believe it and take it, though their track record is ridiculously flawed. The same culture at one period in time that said, you know, people shouldn't have to be married to live together. People should live together and try it out. That was what was being pushed on our culture years past. Then guess what comes out of that culture? A bunch of kids that don't have a mom and a dad because they weren't married when they lived together. They lived together like they were married, made babies, and they decided, I don't like this anymore, and they took off. And now we got an epidemic of kids without parents. Now, now that's the problem that we have. Where'd that come from? Came from the world giving us stupid counsel. And us saying, yeah, yeah, you got to try it out first. You got to make sure we compatible. We live together first. Da, 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 da. And then we do that. And then we end up with the outworking of it. And now they got new counsel. Now they got direction. You know, we got the epidemic with kids without parents. And so, you know, now they got a new, they got answers for that. They don't have no answers for nothing. They got new mistakes. They got new mistakes for this generation to make to try to fix the mistakes of the last generation that they made. So now all the babies that don't have parents, kids in foster care and everywhere else, well, now we got men and men and women and women. Let them adopt all them kids and raise them. That's going to be great. That's going to pay off. That's, they're just, everything is being ruined. And I, I can deal with the world behaving like that, right? But we can't buy into that mess. We can't buy into none of that. I, I got to believe it. Look, God's A plan, 
A man that loves God marries a woman that loves God. They make some babies and raise them up in the ways of God. That's that's God's plan. That's what he would have us to do. That's where the focus needs to be. That needs to be our expectation. That's what we need to raise our kids, understanding this is God's plan. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.